I was um, in one of those states where your stomach's churning a little bit because you know something needs to happen, but you didn't really want to do it, but you, you knew you needed to do it. And that was, I, I was going to have an encounter with someone who I had not um, been in a relationship with for uh, a good number of years, but we had been prior to that in a very strong working relationship. He was actually another pastor. And um, I knew that it's sort of the circumstances that swirled around that we, we needed to connect. And so I showed up uh, at the um, place where he was still a part of in um, some ministry circles. And I asked him afterwards if we could uh, go and have lunch together. And so uh, he and his wife and I sat down across the table uh, at my favorite kind of restaurant, Mexican. If you know me, that's not necessarily true. And uh, so we uh, sat there across from that table and we pressed in to the circumstances of what happened and the brokenness that was in our relationship. And so as I was um, sort of stepping into this conversation, and I'm thinking in my mind, well, you know, there's, um, there's, there's something that I'd like to see happen. And um, this is what I'd like to sort of see happen, at least in my mind I thought it was at the time. And what I wanted to see happen was this. I wanted, I wanted um, this person, this individual, to be able to... Um, oh, that's not right. Where am I? Did I click back wrong? There we go. If you would see it your way, uh, if, if, you would, if they would see it my way, then everything would be okay. And so... I don't know, have you ever been in those kinds of situations where you're trying to look across the table, you're having a conversation, maybe it's in a moment, and you're like, things are broken, and I need you to come my way. I need you to sort of get fixed. I need you to understand there is something wrong because in my mind, I'm going, what's wrong with these people that they don't understand and see things my way from that event and what happened? And so you're sort of locked in a little bit of a dogged determinedness to not, not bring us together, but bring them your way. And, you know, this is something that happens all the time. Um, if you have a ninth grader who uh, maybe is uh, needing to uh, uh, study better, you're trying to tell them, hey, you need to learn that biology in ninth grade so you can get a good GPA, so you can get good scholarships, so you can go to a good school, and you can make good money then, and then when you're older, you can take care of me. And maybe it's when your mother-in-law comes over, and uh, she's standing around, and, and she's sort of got a little bit of a judgmental spirit, judging that, judging that, and you're saying, you know, I'd like to have her come around a little bit more, but she really needs to understand and see things my way. She needs to come my direction to see how things really are in reality. Or maybe it's a, a brother or a brother-in-law, and something happened at some event, family event, maybe a couple years ago, Christmas, who knows, whatever happened, and that event just sort of hangs there in the background, and so it's a little bit awkward, but you know, if you can have a little bit of a conversation and help bring them your way so they could see things the way that you see them because you are frustrated and you're wondering what is wrong with some of these people in my life why can't they see things like they need to be seen and so with that I would like to just say that this is the new series that we're starting today how to get people to see things your way and uh, I thought, you know, and, and I, you know, pulled this from someone else that, that was working on these kinds of things, and, and, uh, and, and he, he had a great, great, great way to frame it up, and he framed it up this way, that there are the 4C approach to relationship management. And uh, the, the, I mean, the C4, the C4, I know it's, uh, it's a plastic, uh, it's another term for a plastic explosive kind of device. It's no coincidence on there. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But, you know, you're trying 
really hard to work at this relationship issue that's going on, and you need some management skills. And so that's why I thought we would work on um, us just sort of approaching it, how to get people to see things your way. And when we try to get people to see things our way, we need to understand that uh, there is four things that we can do. Um, and I thought maybe I'd just take these four and use them during the series for each of the four weeks. Convince, convict, coerce, and control. So those, those are the four C's that, uh, that will help you in your ability to get people to come your way to see things like you want them to see. Because we're all in relationships, and we all have management to do in these relationships, and it's work. So we're going to step into this series. And if you think that maybe this doesn't fully relate, I mean, take a look at those as we look through them and see how much, you know, what's needed in helping how they're doing and bringing our nation together, right? It's just working so great. And so if you need a little bit more help, I got some testimonies that I brought in today, so let's just dial into these testimonies, and this will help you understand maybe how you too can work things out to get people to come your way. The C4 approach to relationship management has completely turned our marriage around. Absolutely. So close to just failing, you know? <laughs> All four C's are complete game changers. Convince, coerce, convict, and control. <laughs> if there was a fifth C, it'd be cool. <laughs> Six months ago, I was going to take a week and a half off from my wedding and honeymoon. The day before I headed out to the resort, Lisa told me that she needed a pitch deck done in a day and a half. And what did I say? You said, looks like you'll need to postpone that wedding. <laughs> I'm single now. My relationship with my son has always been very interesting. He loves acting, but I love football. He's my son, he lives in my house, so he should be playing my favorite sport. The C4 approach to relationships understands that and helps me call all the right plays. I can't wait to try my costume. Uniform. And then go to my audition. Tryouts. Hey, what do you do when you score? You bow. Spike it, son. <laughs> you spike it. Check out the C4 approach to relationships ASAP. You'll learn things like how to shame journal. I started a shame journal myself, and it's just a detailed list of every time that Emily has hurt me or let me down. And now, when we have an argument, I just read her a few entries, and before you know it, she sees things my way. I've been journaling since eighth grade. Well, these four we're going to lean into. Um, convince, convict, coerce, and control. Because you know what? They work, right? They, they don't work, do they? They don't work for you. They don't work for me. They don't work for any of us. But here's this whole challenge. We keep doing them, don't we? We keep trying to convince people to even bring a point of conviction. Don't you see it your way? And then we just oh, slowly coerce them around to our viewpoint. And then finally, we just, we're just going to control you. Well, that's not good. We know that's not good. So, we're not going to do a series on how to bring people around to see your way. We're actually going to do a series on this. Reassembly required. Reassembly required, a beginner's guide to repairing broken relationships. So a few weeks ago, I was thinking, you know, it's that time of year, I know Valentine's Day is coming, that kind of thing, and 
And by the way, guys, just heads up, there's going to be a, like a sweetheart banquet kind of thing coming on the 19th of February that you'll want to uh, get your spouse to or your significant other. Uh, but the uh, idea of relationships this time of year is something that a lot of times churches circle around and talk about. But when I thought about, well, should we do a relationship series? I said, Lord, there's, there has to be something that weighs under the surface a lot across the board with all relationships. And not in just relationships, but as I mentioned, in our world, because I watch some of the same news that you watch. I have some of the same interactions you have with people in society and culture, and we talk about things. And there is a brokenness that's going on, not just in culture, but in families and businesses. And right in the middle of it is what? A human being or two, or maybe a lot of them, including you. And if there's something broken, a lot of times we go back to the same toolkit time and time again to fix it the way we're used to fixing it. And what we get used to fixing is this idea that, you know, can we um, fix it with the tools in our kit or can we fix it a lot of times like what I try to do when I get something that's not assembled I try to do it without what? Instructions. But here's the problem with relationships. It is true that fixing broken relationships, instructions are not included a lot. And think of it this way. If, uh, think in terms of car. You can buy a car. That's pretty easy, straightforward to go and do, right? And you can start the car, Right? And you can drive the car. But what happens when the car breaks down? Are you a good person to repair the car? Most likely, no. And even those of you who like to work on cars with all the computer stuff today, probably not. There is a problem when the car breaks down because you don't have the ability to fix it. And in human relationships, that's very much true. You're cruising along, you're doing sort of fine, and then... Boom! Something happens, and and maybe uh, well, I tell you what, I, I refer to it sometimes in my premarital counseling or even marital counseling that you know something boom happens or something your husband does that's wrong or spouse, or, and you're like you take that thing that you didn't like happen and you put it in what I call the gunny sack, and you say I'm not going to bring it up, I'm just going to stuff it down and not say anything. And so you put it in your gunny sack, you're carrying this uh, burlap sack over your, your shoulder all day long, all week long, all year long, something else happens, <sighs> throw it in the burlap sack, something else happens, throw it in the burlap sack, until finally something happens, he leaves his shoes in the wrong place in the room. It's just a little thing, right? You pick up the shoes, you throw them in your gunny sack, and you say, why am I carrying this big old bag around? It's heavy. And what do you do? I refer to it as you gunny sack them. You take the gunny sack off, and you just dump it, and you said, there, there. And, you, and you're like, whoa, whoa, it was just my shoes. I'm so sorry. I was tired. I didn't get them. You know, it's like, no, this and this. And before you know it, there's this whole slew of mess. Why? Because you don't do relationship repair very well and so the instructions aren't included and you keep things hidden and submerged and and if you do try you try to do that a little bit of a you know convince you know i'm gonna you know maybe convict them a little bit about what they didn't do and bring up something from the past how it works or maybe you're going to coerce or just ultimately try to control them to come your way and we try it again and again and again, and it doesn't work. And so we have to just give reference that there is a need uh, to do something better, something different. And so when it comes to this question of fixing a relationship, how you doing with it? And I'm there with you. Time and again, I've had relationships in my home, with my spouse, with my kids, with my friends, with co-workers, with extended family, that need to be fixed. We think sometimes they need to be fixed. What's wrong with them? They're crazy. They need to come my way. And so we pull out. 
the convince, the convict, the coerce, and the control. But those are not good tools to have in your toolkit. And so what we're going to talk about in this series to be able to give you um, some tools, to be able to give you uh, basically four decisions that need to stand before you as you sort of walk these down in your life to be able to help with others. And um, let me just describe some of the things that can kind of happen that give evidence of brokenness and what can go on in our relationships. Um, so here's a couple things. What if something happens and um, the other person, or maybe you say this, you come to them and you say, I'm sorry if I've offended you. I'm sorry if I've offended you. Now, that looks like a good posturing, right? You're sort of coming there your way a little bit, and I'm sorry if I've offended you. But there's something really sort of subtle, well, maybe it's not so subtle with this, that's the flip side of it. Because when you say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I offended you, right? You're really translating, you're saying that you're too easily offended, you're too easily offended. I can't believe you got all bent out of shape about that. And now this is going on. But hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I offended you. What I said would not have offended most people. That's sort of the translation of it. Now, how do you think that goes? It doesn't really go that well. I remember one time uh, I was in an, another environment where I was across the table from somebody and there was some brokenness for sure in our relationship. And they said to me the statement, uh, I'm sorry if I've done anything to disappoint you. Now, what am I doing in that moment? I'm thinking, well, that's sort of big of you. How would you like to enumerate the 20 different ways that you've you know, disappointed me or there's some brokenness uh, because of what you did in it? But you know, we, we sort of go this little half-distance kind of step to work with things, and we got to be mindful of how our words end up ultimately speaking. This is front and center with me because I'll end up trying to have nuance of words, and I like to craft words and, and then protect myself a little bit, but then probe into it. Or how about this one? I said I'm sorry. Why are you still upset? I said I'm sorry. Why are you still upset? And this actually can happen a lot with parents, though I've seen it also on the flip side of it. Thought, I uh, I'm said I'm sorry. Uh, why are you still upset? Now, how would you translate that? Well, how about translating it this way in that person's mind? They take it this way. Uh, you're saying, I've done my part. You should be fine now. Since you're not fine, clearly something is wrong with you. Right? All the nuances of our conversation, trying to twist and to turn it and to move it and to posture it, to convince and to convict and to coerce and to control. And we're trying to maybe look like we're meeting them halfway, but really is it? Well, what happens in these kinds of statements? What happens in these kinds of statements is this. We recognize that reassembling broken relationships is a learned skill. It's a learned skill, and it does not come naturally to us. And sometimes we just keep getting ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper into a situation. And the deeper into the situation is something that is challenging. You see, when you say some of those statements that don't really work, that you think work, you're telling the person that you uh, are an agenda for me, and I'm trying to fix you. You're a project. You're a crazy person. You are really out of bounds in what you've done and what you've said. And so we come across in a disposition that's totally, we're not meaning to be that way, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we end up speaking things that really are not healthy in bringing some healing to that broken relationship. And so it's a learned skill, and a learned skill has to uh, take on the opportunity to find ways to speak truthfully and not have the other person feel like they're in a project mode or for us to compromise maybe some of our convictions or for us to find ourselves in a compromising mode. 
what happens instead? Gunny sacking or whatever. Well, we get together and we just sort of uh, don't know what to say around one another. And in fact, before people even come to our house, we're trying to manage our life where we're not there when they're there. And so um, we go back to these difficult things and we say, well, when are, when are they coming and how long are they going to stay? And, and so I'm going to show up at Christmas at a different time than when they're there so I don't have to deal with the brokenness of this relationship. And so what they find themselves doing or what you find yourself doing is you find yourself doing one of these three things, maybe all of them. Uh, there's a waiting, there's a rehearsing, there's an avoiding. You just keep waiting for something to change in that relationship because it's important to you, but it's just awkward and it's hard. You rehearse. You rehearse in your mind the offense or something that caused the brokenness. You rehearse what you would say to them, sometimes to bring them your way, to see the things that you would have them see. And, and then the other times it's just this avoiding. I just don't want to do it because all of us in this room, myself included, we don't like conflict. So we try to avoid it. But one month leads into a year, and a year leads into maybe sometimes multiple years, and the relationship is broken, and the relationship needs to be fixed. Not by bringing people your way, but by bringing people together, you and the other person, and working with what is set before you. Back to when I sat across the table from my prior friend and his wife at the Mexican restaurant, we sat there for four hours. And it wasn't because I wanted more Mexican food, trust me. <laughs> it's fine. If you make Mexican chili tonight, that's fine. Pastor Oliver's in Mexico City, so I don't have to worry about offending him this morning. Those families on the back row, so then I'm really interested. Um, what I did in those moments um, was to try to see things not from my perspective, but to see things from their perspective. And that four-hour conversation became a very healthy conversation. A healthy conversation that enabled me um, to maybe lay down some of my rehearsing and some of my hesitancy on the waiting and the avoiding front and to seek to find um, a way to view things from their side. And I'll have to uh, just let you know, the short end of that was those four hours was the beginning of some really good healing in that relationship, and they are good friends of mine today. But I think one of the first things you have to realize, if you have something that's broken, instead of the, you know, the coerce and control and convict, is that you need to understand what the goal is ultimately when there's brokenness in the relationship. And the goal, the goal in it is not for mostly reconciliation. Now this may sound contrary to some stuff I'm going to say later even as we look in Scripture, but hold with me in this. Bring around the context uh, for it. The goal is not for mostly uh, reconciliation. Because in the idea of reconciliation, um, there's the idea that you can bring it all together and make it whole. That's not true. You know, sometimes if things break in your house or your iPhone screen gets cracked or whatever, you have control. You can sort of take it, you can do something totally about it to fix it. But in a human relationship, there are at least two people, if not more, in the brokenness. And you can't control the other person. You can't fix the other person. The goal 
is not foremostly to get it all reconciled and definitely not to do it prematurely and sweep more things under the rug or put more things in the gunny sack without, you know, by the way, if you get gunny sack, you just start to walk through all the pieces and say, let's talk about each of them and see if there can be some healing in it, right? You don't ignore it or sweep it away and out the door kind of deal. You're, you're trying to get a read on how things can happen and be brought together, but your goal is not, your goal is not reconciliation. And why is that? I'll give you a tip. Never set a goal for another person. Never set a goal for another person. You need to change, and you are going to change, and you're going to fix yourself. You know, sometimes I say that a half a person plus a half a person doesn't equal a whole marriage. That's true. A whole person plus a whole person equals a whole marriage. So why don't we just not worry about working on the wholeness of the other person and we focus on your wholeness? And by God's grace and Him working through prayer and other means, you leave it to Him. He's got a ministry with the other person. The goal, the goal is not to fix another person. And if that's your goal in trying to heal the broken relationships that are around you, you're going to become very frustrated because um, they're a lot of times not going to go the direction you want. Now, thankfully, at the illustration I just gave you about me at the Mexican restaurant, things started to move a good way. That's why we sat there for four hours. We weren't yelling at one another. We were trying to unpack and help understand one another. And since then, even. So don't make it your goal to change or fix another person. Do you enjoy it when people have an agenda for you? I don't. If I know that somebody has an agenda for me, maybe they want to use me, maybe want to uh, uh, get something out of me, maybe they want to uh, fix me, I just sort of put hands up and go, I don't think that I want to go there. Uh, do you enjoy people who evaluate and judge you? No. I don't. Do you? So in the healing of the broken relationships, well, actually in all relationships, you have to be sensitive to this fact that how you go about doing things may very be standoffish and cause them to push back and not want to be a part of a relationship with you, let alone trying to fix whatever was broken. So the four C's of relationship management, I'm just here to tell you today, and we'll reflect on it in some of the weeks ahead. Just let them go. You're not in control anyway, right? You can't fix the other person. Thankfully, you do have someone you can go to, the Lord Jesus, and make sure that it's not even a selfish prayer. Lord, just fix them. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe it's, Lord, bless them. Give them a a beautiful week, right? Well, this is the goal that you need to have. The goal is to have no regrets. You know, that's uh, sometimes sad to hear, and sometimes I hear about it in situations that I'm in, that there's brokenness in a relationship, and so there's the, uh, the waiting and the rehearsing and the avoiding, and then inevitably, you know, one family event turns into another family event and then they don't show up at that event and and uh, then things just sort of get stretched out from one year to another and a wedding happens and you sort of show up and you're a little uncomfortable but you know there's something not working there and then an event happens that's maybe a major crisis a really bad injury or even a death and there you all are in that funeral home and there's awkwardness there's awkwardness and there's pain and usually it's a good opportunity for God to work in those things and you start to realize what you had against one another was sort of petty in the big picture of things it did hurt I'm not dismissing the pain issues but you're like you know life's brief can't we get along? You know, hey, 
extend their forgiveness. And, and maybe in some of those kinds of environments, there's healing that happens in those relationships. But why, why, why do we have to wait until a crisis happens or a death happens to recognize that the relationships that we have, especially with family members, are precious and dear? They may be different. You may not be able to bring them your wake, but can we not have some sense of laying down and having no regrets that I've extended myself and I have tried. I've extended myself and I have tried in one sense before God to be able to bring about healing and wholeness in that. And so why are we talking on this subject today? Uh, because I've run out of topics and I thought maybe we would, right? A little bit of levity helps. Why? Because there's a good chance that in this room today, there are many, not examples of healing and past, but open wounds that are evidenced in your relationship world. And this is what I want to say to us, and, and we'll step deeper into it in the coming weeks, but, you know, if you're not religious, if you're not a Jesus follower, um, you know, then the encouragement's given there. Some of these kinds of things help. But, you know, but if you are a Jesus follower and you're trying to be someone who uh, is not a Christian in name only, but a Christian as someone who follows Christ, uh, then this is a big deal for us. Why? Because reconciliation is the operative noun in the Christian faith. Reconciliation is the operative noun in the Christian faith. Reconciliation, the restoration of relationship. The restoration of relationship is what the big epic picture of God is all about. And it's what's going on in this world. And it began not with mankind trying to fix things. It began with God. Forgiveness, though, is half the equation. You can forgive somebody from a distance, but that's only half of it because God did not stay at a distance. He could have forgiven us our sins and stayed clear of all of our antics. Forgiveness is part of it, and we'll talk about some of that in the days ahead. But it's only half of it. You see, God's forgiveness was a means to an end. And even if you are outside the faith this morning and, and you're not a Jesus follower, not religious, I want to encourage you that what the faith, what the Christian faith is about is not just the forgiveness. There's something greater than that. And the beauty of the greater than that has to do with this word reconciliation because God was wanting to have a relationship with you. So he did something about it. And what did he do? For God so loved the world that he what? gave his only son he did something dispositionally to move towards us that's why second corinthians it comes right after the passage we've looked at the last two weeks on creating a new you know that that verse in second corinthians 5 17 you know if anyone's in christ they are a, a new creation a new creation has come the old has gone the new is here god does he changes and transforms life and if you need a change in your life today not just because you want to try something else but try that which god ultimately intended for you to have which is a relationship with him then you move into an aspect of letting him come into your life to create you to new to be able to live for him and old things do pass and all things become new when you are saved when you are born again but what happens right after this statement of paul's i think is interesting because it leads right into what we're focusing on here all this is from god who reconciled us to himself through christ and gave us gave us the ministry of reconciliation restoring broken relationship. And what is that? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message 
of reconciliation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's the centerpiece. Prominent noun. Reconciliation. So we as believers, if you're a Christ follower today, this, this is not optional for you. You can do the horizontal thing. I mean, the vertical thing of, okay, I'm in a relationship, forgiveness with God. But then God himself, he came to this earth and, and he did the horizontal thing. Forgiveness can be done at a distance, but it's only half the, the, the process. He came to be close to reconcile proximity-wise and heal broken relationships, going all the way back to the Garden right, of Eden and sin when it entered the world. Some of you may be sitting there right now, and you say, I really don't have a relationship with God. I don't even know if I want to have a relationship with God. I'm just sort of checking things out, or I'm here today. Well, I'm here to tell you, this is the big picture. This is the whole part that God has been spending time reconciling the world, and in the world is what? You! to himself through Christ and what he has done. Not counting all your sins against you, right? And then he turns right around and changes us into this new creation and then sends us out to be ministers of reconciliation in a very broken, antagonistic, controlling, coercing world. So, We're here, huddled up in the locker room, ready to head out those doors, not to pray, play in an NFL uh, playoff game, but we're heading out those doors to be ministers of reconciliation in a broken world, beginning in the relationships we have in our sphere of operations. So, that is what we're commissioned to do. And so it's not optional for believers. And if you're on the outside looking in, it's, it's something pretty sweet. It's pretty good. Because through Jesus Christ, he did die for our sins. And he's able to break the chains that are upon us in our life from history past, things that have happened. He's able to defeat the enemy. And there is one. His name is Satan. And he wants to bring you down. He doesn't want you reconciled to God. Oh, him and all of this fallen demonic angels, demonic spirits, they have no chance of being reconciled to God. But we do as human beings on this side of death, on this side of the Lord Jesus' return, because this is the ministry of God, reconciling. Philippians 2.5 says this, in your relationships with one another, what Paul does is he says, I want to talk a little bit about your relational world. And he says, in your relational world, and, and when he says this, in your relationships with one another, it means all your relationships. It's not just this one or this one. In all your relationships with one another, he gives this instructive word. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So we head out the doors with the mindset of Christ Jesus to not fix people, to not have the goal ultimately foremostly for reconciliation because that's our, not our job because we can't control what the other person does or does not do. But we can head out those doors with no regret in how we live our lives around those who are close to us or who used to be close to us and how we encounter others in our world that's very divisive. Our mindset should be when we head out the doors the same of that of Christ Jesus. And, and what was the mindset of Christ Jesus? Well, as it goes on in that passage, it talks about what he did in laying his life down, not thinking highly of himself and giving up all that he gave to come and bring salvation. But there's this other passage where Jesus himself speaks these words to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And he says this in Luke 5, verse 31. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Would this be true in your broken relationship? I know, maybe it's probably not a good way to put it, but when you do that, that waiting and that rehearsing and that avoiding and, and, 
there's something about that coming together. And man, we just, some of you are going like, really? Do, do you have to bring that up? Because I was having a nice day before I came in to hear you today, Carrie. You know what happens in us is that something wells with it. We do not, we're terrified of trying to step into these relationships and see God work or to at least step in so that we have no regrets. And men, we're pretty good at this too. You know, and there's a lot of things. Hey, I'm pretty tough. I'm not scared of anything. I bet you're scared. You're terrified of being able to walk into trying to fix that broken relationship, whether it's with your spouse, maybe an ex, maybe a child that's been estranged, maybe it's a friend, a coworker, maybe it's an extended family member. Maybe it's recent, maybe it's past, maybe it's something that's right before you, maybe it's something you've forgotten all about, but you realize there's a low-grade residual that causes you to have, you know, tension in your life. We're terrified. And that's rightfully so, because it's hard, it's not easy. It's hard and it's not easy, but... Who's going to take the first step? You see, this verse, maybe it's not appropriate, but don't you see the other person as the one who's sick? They've got a problem. They've done something wrong. They did something wrong to you, maybe to someone else. Or they've not measured up and come to you and asked for forgiveness. And so you just sort of said, no, just wait. Now, don't get me wrong. There's sometimes when reconciliation is unsafe and unwise, and we can give res- re- uh, reference to that kind of thing. And there's sometimes I understand about the need to wait. In fact, I had a, a ministry friend call me this last week, and something just exploded of a number of months ago in their in their core family. And you know, this person that exploded it wanted to fix it and come together. And and the person said to me, "I'm just not ready yet. I can't go there and do that." And some I understand that some. Sometimes there is a sense of time that's needed. Like with me and my friends that were across from the dinner table, there had been a good measure of years there that God worked through some things to be able to bring that together. So I'm not saying all of you needed to head right out of here and call that person and get them on the phone and have a meeting, right? There's discernment that's needed. I just want to know your disposition. Is your disposition willing to go there? Is your disposition willing to to rise above some of the terrified feel to try to to bring healness to the other? And it doesn't mean even if you you know the goal right is to live with no regrets. And and then maybe if God works, there's some reconciliation. You may not be the best of friends and all that kind of thing moving forward. But it closes what I refer to sometimes as as a gateway of entry, a foothold for the adversary just to churn and and make your relationship world topsy-turvy and and bring you in a place of discomfort and disposition that's just not friendly to be around and so you got to deal with it so it's a much bigger picture but ultimately who's going to take the first step don't you're the one is saying well i was in the right okay but jesus the mindset of jesus and if we're supposed to mirror that mindset was he did not come for the healthy people He came for the sick. He came for the broken. If you're here in this room today and you don't think that your life is worth anything to God or why would He love you? Well, He does. Scripture's clear about that. He came for the sick, for the broken. He came for the sinner, the person that's way far away, maybe even in a defiant kind of spirit. This was the mindset of Jesus Christ. And if we are Christians, if we are Christians, then our disposition needs to be one of bringing about the no regrets, but bringing about maybe the opportunity for God to bring wholeness and some reconciliation into it. So we don't really have an option as believers if we're Jesus followers today. I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say this. I will. I'm just old enough and been 35 years in ministry that I will. Some of the most divisive, ugly, judgmental kind of relational stuff happens in the church. People that claim the name of Jesus. And you just shake your head and you go, what? How could you be that way? It's a good word for even me. 
Because I have a relationship or two in my own life right now. And I said, really, Lord? can we do something a little nicer and more levity, uh, uh, lighter with relationship series? He's like, no. Carrie, you live in a broken world and it's getting meaner. And the adversary's at work and he's at work in the church and he's around the corner from you too, Carrie. So be wise. So may I pay, pick up the mantle of my Lord Jesus Christ and have the same mindset of Him. Being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to grasp, but made Himself nothing and humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Thereby, Christ, by God's quickening, was raised from the dead and He broke the chains of death and Hades. He paid the price of your sin and my sin on the cross. And He makes a way when there seems to be no way. Not to get people to move towards you, but for you to be able to move together by His sovereign, divine, beautiful Holy Spirit's work. This is my question as we close. Ask yourself, what's stopping me from trying? What's stopping me from trying? And, and I want you to take what immediately comes to your mind and set it aside temporarily. And then ask this, what's stopping me from trying really? And in that, the Holy Spirit will give you an answer. And you can begin working. You can begin working on the reassembly the restoration, the healing. No regrets. No regrets. Broken relationships front and center for us in these weeks. What will the Lord speak to you? And what will you offer to Him as it relates to obedience as a Christ follower? And if you're not a Christ follower this morning, I just encourage you that today, Today even, Jesus has moved towards you and His Spirit is tugging tenderly at your heart that there's something more than just trying to live life with all the gusto and get as many toys as you can and then you die. But there's a relationship with the God who created you through Jesus that He came to bring about. And His Spirit is tugging on your heart to say, come to me. Come to Him. In fact, this morning, if you're in that place after service, there's a prayer area over here and we have some prayer leaders be more than glad to pray with you if you want to come into that relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe you have someone you would just like to pray with concerning a brokenness of a relationship. And maybe that's your first step. Reassembly required. Praise God that He's active and He's at work at the forefront of his life and his calling, his purpose is reconciliation. I'm going to ask the ushers if they take their place to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings or connect card, but will you bow your head to pray with me? Lord, in these sacred moments, I know not what this subject has prodded or poked in anyone's life in this room or maybe watching online. But Lord, you know, and you are there in the midst of that pain and that hurt, that unresolved tension that maybe has gone on for years. And surely as we prayed for one another at the front part of the service, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that God, you would help bring healing. Maybe there's not a full reconciliation that comes, but bring healing, a no regrets kind of step by the individual this morning. And that you would work, Lord that you would work to be able to take that open wound, bring closure. Even if there's a scar, and there will always be scars because we can remember what happened. But Lord, for it not to be an open wound, for it to be something that's touched by you. Lord, may you bring healing in the relationship brokenness of anyone that's here today. 
And for those who have a broken relationship with you, God, continue to speak to them. Draw them to yourself. For Lord, you love them. And you desire for them to be in a vibrant, intimate relationship with you. May today be that first step towards that relationship. And Lord, I just pray then one final covering in the name of Jesus, as we've mentioned, that the adversary has no right to stir up any dissension, division, control that would make any situation worse. An adversary, you have no rights whatsoever to grab someone's heart and cause them to have so much grief and turmoil and fear that they wouldn't step out to make that initiative as God would lead them. You're bound from doing so. You were defeated by this Jesus who came to reconcile the world to himself. Lord, we thank you. God's people said, Amen. Amen means so be it, right? Please, your tithes and offerings you can um, give through online or means, your connect cards. One of the groups is the Rooted group. Some of you had a note sheet in your chair. I would love for you to go on a journey of Rooted, a 10-week spiritual journey if you've not had the opportunity to do that. I want us to continue to disciple people to be serious, devoted followers of Jesus wherever you're at on your spiritual journey. And now, I'm going to dismiss you, but this was the first meeting today, so there's a second meeting today. And... uh, That second meeting is going to take place, as Pastor Zach said, out in Venue D. We're going to have a chili cook-off. It's a time for you to meet the people that are seated around you. It's been two years now since we've done Turn and Greet. I'm always hesitant to do it, not even do it COVID-style in a room such as this. But I want us to have, be able to have proximity as we feel comfortable with and being able to do that, whether it's the meeting after the meeting here this morning or being able to come back for the chili cook-off. I want to see everybody back. And even if you're new today, come. You don't even need to bring chili. Just show up and get to know some good people. Uh, we're also going to have a congregational meeting right back in this room for a brief period of time. You're going to hear from a couple of the staff people, be able to unpack a little bit of their heart, what's going on in our ministry world, to plan on being a part of that. You do not need to be a participating member of this church to be able to be a part of a congregational meeting. Yeah, we vote on the budget. We vote on who the board members are going to be. That's only participating members that do that. And if you want to be a participating member, there's a backside of your rooted sheet around your way out. You can grab that and turn it in to be a, a participating member of the church. But uh, we're going to have chili cook-off. We're going to have congregational meetings. So this is the end of the first meeting. You can go home and cheer the Rams on to see if they win. But you are dismissed. God bless. We'll see you tonight.